So this week, uh, we're going to be discussing, we normally do a market wrap, um, and then we're going to talk about uh, Trump's just announced he's running for White House and what that means. And uh, we've seen a lot of tech la uh, sector layoffs and uh, how that uh, spill out is going to affect markets. And then finally, we couldn't be a real podcast if we didn't talk about the FTX story. So we'll certainly get into that. Hello, everyone, for another podcast. It's the 17th of November. Um, we're currently self-hosting again, and I'm, I'm Tim Muirhead from Arvidine Capital, and with me I've got Michael Berman, who's CEO of FXT, not to be confused with FTX, which has gained a lot of notoriety of late. How are you, Michael? I'm very good, thanks, Tim. Well said. <laughs> very importantly said. Yes, indeed. So, look, I guess we'll get uh, straight into it. Okay, so I guess, look, we'll talk about markets. Uh, this time last week, we were like Thursday night. It was just before the CPI figure. We were saying that how important that was going to be the mar for markets. Uh, now, I, I can't actually remember what I said, but we were sort of been getting a lot of the inflation drivers have been coming off. We're sort of expecting a slightly softer number, and we got it. And, look, I mean... It was very difficult to trade. If you weren't weren't positioned for it, you probably missed like most of the market. Most of the market moved. The S and P five hundred basically shot up to finish just below four thousand, and then for the the rest of the week, it's basically flatlined. So, not a great deal to talk about in that those markets, but certainly a little bit of positivity has been coming coming back. Um, if you'd asked me what the real movers is, and look, it's all it all been the bonds. Um, so the bond market, obviously, the rates have been pushing higher. That's been pushing the US dollar higher. And and recently, with the slowdown in the inflation figure, we're getting a bit of a pause in this bond market. We're starting to see the US dollar strength come off. That's been very positive for um, obviously the cross currencies, but things like precious metals. And certainly the equity markets have liked, liked it. So, look, if we get a bit of continuation on that thematic, I think we are setting the stage for a bit of a, you know, Christmas rally. It tends to sort of occur in the quieter periods. The US sort of tends to wind down for the last month. And, look, not to, I guess, discount this year and certainly previous years, a lot more option activity uh, there's a lot of people with a lot of downside protection as those sort of hedges expire worthless. That forces the dealers to buy back their hedges and, and it tends to be a, a supportive force for the market. So I certainly wouldn't be surprised to see markets higher. It's certainly still volatile, so anything can happen. But uh, uh, look, and I guess the other positive thing for markets has been this China reopening story. Mm -hmm. uh, we're certainly seeing more of that. You know, it's been very good for some of the commodities and uh, that seems to be continuing, although a bit of stop start. But uh, look, if you ask me how I'd position myself, probably nervously long, Michael. What about mm -hmm. yourself? Yeah, well, let me jump on. You, you mentioned last Thursday and let me share... Um, something on the navigator, which I'll, I'll share just before I go into talking about the markets. If we just, uh, just to confirm, you can see my screen. Yes. Yeah, okay. So if I if I go and look at change, which is percentage change, and I put in here 4%, and I want to see what, what happens over the next five days after 
there's a, a 4% upside event. So um, you'll take note here that we've got a, the S&P is active at the moment. So we, we had that 4% move. Um, my data only goes back to 2014 and something I'm actually working on that we can um, we can have a lot more data, which in, in a couple of weeks' time, you'll see that there'll be a lot more data in our system. But just to talk you through this, it's happened since 2014 eight times. And what's typically happened over the next five days, on average, it's the market has dropped 5%, which is which is kind of... There, so it's that one there. It's kind of interest in that. So I just thought I'd share that with you. It's a feature. You don't have to go and do a whole bunch of, of research and spreadsheets and all that. You can use the, the navigator and get a good feel straight away. Um, so here's the, the lay of the land for this month. I actually had no idea. I'm almost inclined to say, is this a bad print? But the Hang Seng for the month is up 21%. Wow. I, did, I actually didn't even... I'd, that 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 jumped up on me there. Um, let me just make sure I can just see some things on my. I'm using a new version. Um, okay, that clear cleared things up there. I just want to see. It seems it seems like there's a little bit of uh, of ghosting on my screen. Yeah, there is. Okay, so my new version not so not so good looking. Um, but what you can see here is Bitcoin having a torrid time this month. Um, and we we will talk about FXT later later in the program just to show you. FTX, what, Michael, we'll talk about FTX. <laughs> oh, gosh. F, we'll talk about FXT and FTX. But, <laughs> 100%. Um, thank you, Tim. And th this is a price journey from this year, just looking at things. And you can just see... This particular one, Brent, what a what an there's been there's been short terms of trend followed by reversals. It's just been interesting. Um, this, the yellow one here is the yen, and of course you can see Bitcoin down here. And the last thing I wanted to show you on the navigator is I took a look at the rolling volatility of Bitcoin, and what's interesting is it's shot up like a bullet, um, like in a straight line in the last couple of days but it's by no means at volatilities we've seen in prior times so you can see last year um we had higher we had higher volatility on a rolling on a rolling 50 period 50 day basis so it's interesting i mean it's caught our attention here but it's not the highest by any stretch of the imagination anyway i thought that i'll, I'll leave it there for our little market wrap yeah, great. So, uh, look, we'll get into the um, the first question of the day, and that is um, Trump just announced his third run at the White House. What's that likely to do to the markets? Do you want to take that one first, yeah. Michael? Yeah. Um, so, look, I, I called Trump coming in. Uh, I, I became very, I'm not saying I, I like the guy or anything like that. I'm not going to, um, but I like the fact that he brought this, irreverence to policy he just he he he, he just if it if it made sense to him he went for it so all the 
political correctness went out the window. What was interesting is he was the main guy on on Twitter, and he, he certainly moved moved the markets based on Twitter. He's banned from Twitter now, but now you got Elon Musk, who's um, all over Twitter, owns Twitter, and and he's calling you know has become the guy everyone hangs on every word that he says. Talking about Trump, you know, we've seen things like at the G20 at the moment. We've seen, um, apparently, there was a little bit of argy-bargy with Justin Trudeau from from Canada and Xi Jinping from, from China. Um, so there's a, lot of, there's a lot of fighting or there's a lot of tension, let's call it tension at the moment, on the world stage with Russia, with, with China... There, there's all these global leaders that are are, are strong arming each other. Trump would be very interesting to because he has a presence. You like him or you don't, but um, he 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 will shake things up. So I think the markets would be all over the show again. There'll be increased volatility. It will be exciting as traders. We'll be able to trade. You know, he'll say something silly that he hadn't thought through or didn't take advisement on, but then he'll do some interesting things. So um, uh, I'm, uh, uh, there's something inside of me that wants to see him come back. I won't be popular for that, but yeah. so be it. No, look, I mean, uh, yeah, look, I mean, Obviously, there's a long time between now and 2024 and anything can happen. But look, and I mean, it's, it's as an outsider, it's pretty amazing to see all the stuff that they threw at him last time, the whole, you know, yeah. uh, the, the Biden laptop all being said it was, it was false by the FBI and it turned out it was all lies. And then you realise, look, who, who owns the FBI? And I yeah. saw a funny tweet saying that uh, Elon Musk was considering buying FBI off the Clintons and look <laughs> I mean, it's crazy stuff from an outsider, but uh, look, uh, Trump, he's obviously pro-business, he's pro-markets. When he came in, you know, he tax cuts and free spending, it was very positive. So, look, I think uh, if he did come back in, you know, he's a big spender, but a long way to go now. And uh, look, there's a lot of of people who really don't want him in, so who knows where this might go, but... uh, yeah, it, it, it's fascinating how, how one's ego, and I, I guess we'll touch on this later when we talk FTX, but um, I think ego is, is certainly very dangerous, and that guy's not short of ego. Yeah, I mean, they, they always say it's, uh, it's very dangerous to underestimate someone who overestimates themselves, and that's mm-hmm. certainly Trump. But look, uh, again, from an outsider perspective, perspective you know you've got sleepy joe biden i mean look the guy doesn't really know what's going on half the time he's obviously not calling the shots at least if when trump's uh you know running the show you know he's actually running the show and you get live a thought stream from twitter and i mean it was amazing to watch so yeah Yeah, i think for traders it will be it'll be quite a bit of fun to have him back certainly you're reading your bloomberg and wall street journal wherever you get your news Will be fun again for me. It's it's a little bit boring uh, with Sleepy Joe. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, anyway, we'll we'll move on to the um, the next question, and that is the tech industry has seen a string of lay- layoffs this year in the face of uncertain economic conditions. 
what's the latest update for inflation? Do you want to take that, Michael? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we definitely see, I'm going to actually start with the inflation, but um, but yes, we're definitely starting to see some layoffs coming through. Uh, I know Amazon's just announced 10,000 layoffs, and and uh, I know that Facebook Meta last week spoke about 11,000 odd, odd layoffs, and we saw something interesting in in the papers or the news last night in Australia. Deliveroo filed for I don't know if they filed for administration or they actually just shut their door. I think they filed for administration, meaning like in chapter, Australia. Yeah. It, yeah. So that's like our version of Chapter 11 bankruptcy. And and a lot of people in the gig economy lost their will have lost their jobs. But, you know, first thing I want to mention, which I, I can't believe I missed it. And as an economist, that bothers me. But last month, they, they awarded the Nobel Prize for Economics to Ben Bernanke. Now, I actually, I only noticed this today, but um, I nearly fell off my chair. So him and two other guys um, shared, there were three awarded the, the Nobel Prize and they, they for their work done on banking crises. Like the, on, the guy who famously missed the, the whole GFC. So, yeah, uh, well, he's been awarded a Nobel Prize for helping let's say, avert disaster in the wake of, of the GFC. But this guy is the architect-in-chief in what might be considered the biggest bankruptcy of all, the American um, Central Bank. So, um, so yeah, I just I had to put that on the table because I think the irony in that the guy who they've awarded this guy as some sort of a hero, but... The pain we we largely going to be suffering we suffering now and going forward will be at at his um, with his fingerprints on them. But but coming back to the rally last Thursday, everything. This is just my take on on things. Everything used to be about oil. Everything used to be about COVID that was driving the market. Everything that's driving the market now is about inflation expectation and any print that is somewhat lighter than what was pre prior or is causing this major euphoria. So from, from what I can understand, inflation came in under 8%, 7 point something. It was either 7.7 or 7.3. I can't remember the number. 7.7, 7 7.9 expected. Something like that. Okay. So yes, that's, that's still pretty high inflation, but it was lower than the previous month. The market in, interpreted that, extrapolated that out into perpetuity, and it ran like hell. And everyone thought, okay, inflation's coming down. That's probably the peak of, 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 of raising. Then we saw yesterday, uh, the, or yeah, yesterday, the, the, the latest retail spending in the U.S. was higher than expected in October. So now the question is, well, inflation seems to be quite stubborn and um, maybe maybe there's going to be continued rate hikes because it, it's not coming down as quickly as we had hoped. And then we saw yesterday as well in the UK, if I'm not mistaken, inflation came in at 11.1% for October. That is massive. Like I, I was just discussing it with my wife and she was telling me that she's putting, she, she runs a dog walking and daycare business and she said, I'm putting my prices up again. I, everything's gone crazy 
and and so on and so forth. So yes, inflation is still here. Inflation's stubborn. I think people are overreacting every time that they see a slight pause in 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 it. There has to be some pauses along the way because otherwise you're going to have this exponential um, growth, which is which is unreasonable. We're not going to go to thirty percent. Um, or not anytime soon, I hope, um, in inflation. But, but yeah, it has to moderate, but it's still high. And I was just going to pick up on one thing you said, and that was about the, the um, October retail sales. So that, yes. they came out um, last night, um, had a rise of 1.3% versus uh, 0.4% expected. It was actually the best retail sales number uh, since February. And in nominal terms, the re US retail sales still appear to be booming. You know, it's like yeah. risen over 7.5% um, over the last year and hitting new highs in October. But look, the key factor is once you adjust for inflation, the short story changes dramatically, right? So yeah. actually retail sales peaked in March 21 and are actually down 0.3% over the year. So, and this is how why inflation is so, I guess, uh, look, it, it, it's, it's, it distorts the data and you really need to take this into account. And I yeah, guess, yeah. Look, the, look, the other thing, um, you know, about just about inflation is that um, obviously a lot of the drivers of um, they're on such big lags. So you know it took a long time for sort of inflation to pick up. We were actually sort of worrying about it sort of at the start of 2020, and you know it it didn't really come about. The Fed was saying it was when it did start to show its head, it was going to be transitory. And now that it's sort of I guess we've seen a wave of it. It's taken I guess a lot longer for it to come off, but. Certainly, as the as the market sees, you know, um, the inflation number, numbers coming off, they they certainly uh, they're realizing that the Fed won't have to hike. That's obviously good for equity markets. But the the downside is some of the reasons for this is that like these big companies are having to slash, you know, massive amounts of workforce, and that means people are losing their jobs. And look, if you don't have a job, you you can't spend money that you don't earn, right? Which uh, is yeah. obviously, I guess, the the sad side to this. But look, the you know, the US uh, employment is like, I think it's down at like 3.7%. So it's, it's a very low level. So they need to, they basically are trying to put the, the interest rate hikes up so that people, enough people lose their jobs that, you know, the, yeah. there's not so much spending it and, um, you know, inflation can come down. And that, I guess that's the human side of all this. There is an impact. People's lives are getting impacted and, uh, you know, they... I mean, this is the, your whole Bernanke thing. They get they they don't see the crisis, and when the crisis comes, they they get to save the you know disaster that they eventually caused, and everyone yeah. calls them heroes. But I mean, like now they they they're you know almost you know affecting lives. So uh, it's, it's a bit Tim, what I, while your dog's barking there. I'll, oh, sorry, I'll, yeah. Uh, I, I, one thing that just astounds me, and I think it's just human nature, is the is the 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 lags that exist the the human brain can't seem to make the connection so what what I'm really getting at is that we've had this increases in in, um, in interest rates it's starting to affect let's say the company at the company level and they're starting to lay off some people that those layoffs 
people, what I've noticed, people get a retrenchment. So they've been laid off today, but they'll probably still have income for, let's say, three more months. These, la these lag effects take time. And then less money to spend. So retailers do less well, and and then they need to lay off people. So there's there's long lag effects in in economics in in financial markets. So I think it's very important not to get carried away. There's obviously trading opportunities as you see something, but um, or as you hear a news event. But but I'm still a believer that a lot of the the bad stuff has to still wash through, and we haven't really seen it properly in the in the property market either. That that people people are starting to feel it, um, but it's it's not dramatic as yet. And when when you start to see a bigger trend of people selling and 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 losing hope, I just the the question I ask you is that do you do you see any panic out there at the moment? I hear a lot of whining that I'm going backwards because of inflation, like prices are going up. I'm not, not coming out with my monthly income, but I still don't see panic. I don't know if you hear the same, feel the same thing. I wouldn't, no, certainly wouldn't say panic. I mean, I think the, I'm getting a, quite a few friends who've got certainly big property portfolios. They're starting to realize they're having to tighten their belts and some of their fixed loans are, um, Mm -hmm. uh, are starting to roll off. Uh, so that's certainly an impact. But uh, look, I was going to, maybe we can transition now into the the FTX story. Yes. One of the things about lags, which uh, was probably most interesting, which we're seeing was that uh, it appears that when Luna collapsed, that, that collapsed six months ago quite dramatically where it just, yep. you know, went to zero. I mean, FX, FTX, it looks like that they basically went broke at that point and it's taken yes. sort of six months for it to... Uh, to uncover and i think that you know this is the same with with uh with all, all things in economics there there is long lags and and sometimes you know it takes a while before you know the tide does actually get out to realize that people were naked and um yeah i mean uh, quite amazing so but uh but it gives you the opportunity but but with those words you just said, th therein lies the beauty is that if one gets one's act together often you there's enough time Provided it's not a black swan, you, there's enough time to get your house in order. It's just we just, as humans, stall, and that's costly. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's right. So uh, yeah, Wayne, what, have you? What are your thoughts? I don't know what you've read over the last week. So, so did you, by any chance, see the interview that this Muppet, uh, SBF Sam Bankman-Fried, gave with Vox last night? Uh, no, I didn't see it, no. Okay. So this guy needs to shut the hell up because, I mean, he's probably going to jail. And every time he opens his mouth, I mean, he's just providing more and more evidence for the prosecutors to take him down. But but some some reporter from Vox magazine had was doing a profile piece on him about six months ago. And she thought, well, let me just throw out if he's around, like um, on Twitter, like direct, in his direct mail. This is last night. So um, he responds, and they have this whole conversation. It basically incriminates himself completely. Um, he, he said that he didn't mean to dip into the client funds, and it, it's not so clear. It's not so clear cut. But the bottom line is he thought his accounting was a shambles. 
he he did it all in a spreadsheet. Like their balance sheet was was maintained on a spreadsheet. There was some just hopelessly inadequate um, stuff there. So he thought the leverage was about five billion dollars on that. That's the sum of the leverage on his FTX, but it was thirteen billion. So he had understated it by quite significant amounts of money. But but. The point being is this is a guy who has a huge ego, humongous, and he lied. He openly admits that he lied in the way he presented himself to people like doing good. He said, you know, when you're a, a corporate head and a titan of industry, et cetera, et cetera, you kind of have to just say things to make people feel good and all this kind of rubbish. So, I mean, he, it's, you should, you, you, one should definitely read the interview. Uh, it, it's horrible, but but um, yeah, you're also getting live feeds from him on on on, on Twitter. I'm sure in the last couple of hours, if he's not sleeping now, he's probably been been tweeting. So, uh, one thing's for sure, I'm finding Twitter the the most invaluable source of raw information. I know that they're having a torrid time at the moment, and I, I suspect they're losing money hand over fist because. Advertisers are pulling, but I know that they. I know I've transitioned a little bit on this conversation, but uh, I know that their their user, like the the daily active users, is through the roof. It's never been higher in Twitter. So oh yeah, and and everyone's you got a lot of people there sitting there complaining about how bad Twitter is and how awful everything is, yeah. but they're doing it on Twitter, which I thought is quite yeah ironic. yeah. So, but, uh, but, yeah, but coming back to FTX and, and what does this mean for crypto and, and all this kind of stuff. So I'm getting a lot of um, calls from people. Uh, I, I was tipped off about BlockFi days before it happened. They, I, I was told this morning by somebody in the know that another CEX, a central exchange, is is likely to, um, to fold. I know you've got issues with Genesis. You've got digital... Barry Silbert is the guy, um, big guy, big guy who controls in the U.S. a lot of the the uh, the Bitcoin. I think it's he controls the grayscale and and so forth. Um, there's such a lack of confidence. Like, where do you where can you trade in this in this centralized world? And and yeah, so and and feel safe that your money is going to be there. Some people are talking that Binance, the biggest shop in town, could be the next one to fall. So uh, I'm interested to hear your side. But just before I hand, hand over to you, you know, somebody said to me this, this morning, he, he said, but, you know, this is exactly why the, the blockchain was designed to go decentralized. So everyone would be self-custodians of their own wallet and just to talk techni technically for some people who might not be familiar with this, is that when you when you open up an account at a centralized exchange like FTX or Binance, you don't really have your own wallet. Even though you wire Bitcoin to a wallet at Bitcoin, uh, sorry, at Binance or FTX, it's 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 like a virtual wallet. It's sitting under their big umbrella, their wallet, and therefore they have. And just remember, these are most of them are unregulated, so they can do what they want with with client funds. And yeah, um, so centralized exchanges are are definitely going to be 
very, very sketchy and people be nervous about them. I, I think people be nervous about everything DeFi, but a decentralized exchange actually makes a lot of sense. You own the wallet, you, you do all the trading, but the wallet sits with you and no one else has, has access to that wallet other than yourself. So there can be no um, Sam Bankman-Fried playing with your money. So maybe it will have a rebirth. I'm hoping it will have a rebirth and things will maybe go that decentralized way. Um, but yeah, it's, this is a big kick in the, in the guts to, to the industry. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, they they managed to lose, I mean, 10 or $11 billion, which, I mean, I don't know how you lose 10 or $11 billion. But look, I guess a couple of points uh, picking up on what you said. Firstly, uh, not your keys, not your coins. So that's all about custodian. And mm. you know, we've always said if you're going to trade Bitcoin or one of these cryptos that make sure you do it on the exchange, then take them off and store them in your cold wallet. And mm. uh, But... Um, the other thing I was going to say, look, so um, users not, might not remember, but look, 2011, there was a whole um, blow-up, sort of similar, but sort of not. That was MF Global, um, Corzine, mm -hmm. he was the guy basically running this um, this big, uh, I guess, brokerage account. He, he used the balance sheet of his, uh, of, of the people, you know, their, their funds and ended up taking these big bets on... Uh, I think it was on uh, bonds and, and it went bad and basically funds got seized. And I think in the end, look, it took about five years, but people got about 94% of their, their funds back. He was clearly committing fraud, but interestingly didn't go, didn't spend any time in jail. And um, a lot of it was said to come down to his political connections. Yeah. Now, FTX, Sam Bankman-Fried, he actually bankrolled the Democratic Party uh, in their midterm election to the tune of $40 million using funds from his now bankrupt crypto exchange. So like it would be very sad, I think, to see, you know, if uh, if he does get proven to commit fraud and, and not uh, be charged for it. So, I mean, look, it's, it's, a, it's a huge scandal. I mean, you know, I mean, he's going to come out now and say, oh, you know, Poor me, and I mean, on, the fact he's yeah. still on Twitter uh, uh, putting out these excuses, I think is uh, must be making people quite angry. But but, uh, but doesn't it doesn't it makes doesn't it just remind you of just good old fashioned values that when when somebody comes from nowhere and and then they are espousing their virtues that they're this great philanthropist, but doing effective philanthropy, so they're making like a crap load of money so that they can give it away. And and preaching, you know, walking around in in shorts and and sneakers and and winning multiple Clinton and all that. But he and and saying he drives a Corolla, but he bought a fourteen million dollar pension um, penthouse and and owns a private jet. So and owns uh, yeah. a private jet. So it's all shtick and um, and image. But at the end of the day, the guy was as money hungry as the rest of them, and so much so that he was probably committing fraud. Yeah, and look, so be careful. And look, I guess what this—I mean, this has probably done huge damage to uh, the crypto space, just in terms of trust. I mean, it's like scam after scam after scam, and this is obviously a huge one. And people are saying, when is it going to stop? And like, well, guys, this the elephant in the room is obviously tether. We've heard like lots about. If you don't know about the tether scandal, yeah. go and Google up. But 
um, Kyle Bass actually came out with a tweet this week yeah. just saying Tether's had six different accountants and auditors in the past five years. Now, yeah. why does a like a $66 billion um, institution hire, hire a big four accountant? They're, they're basically using uh, uh, these like dodgy ones in, uh, you know, different anyway it just looks really really bad it's meant to be a stable coin i mean is tether linked to this sbf's fraud who knows but look at you know as we said at the start luna that went bust it then took six months for um ftx to go bust so um you know is it going to be another six months before for this whole tether scandal now when you say is tether a scam like they're meant to have one-to-one -one backing now let's assume yeah. they did have backing in the first place right but according to their own accounts they've put a lot of it into one risk assets aka stocks which have mm. performed terribly over the last six months so that's mm. obviously down and another big portion into bonds yeah. which have also had the worst year in yeah i don't know how long so i mean yeah, if, there's a, if there's a run on tether, it's gone. There's, uh, it's gone. Yeah, it's uh, gone. Uh, um, just, if I can just end on my side from one last comment, is that sure. I, I think what what listeners should derive from listening to Tim and myself, who've been in the industry for call it twenty years um, each, uh, you know, we we we're not rookies, but there's a there's a high degree of uncertainty when we talk we are not we're not speaking in absolutes and we are making guided guesses and um drawing on our experience and our knowledge and when you get false messiahs like the likes of sam bankman fried calling things or i even want to say elon musk to some degree just be careful you know they that we play in a very uncertain world and no one knows what's going to happen in the future but you know, when people speak with absolute, so when you are being presented by some trading guru who tells you that you're guaranteed to make money, be sure that that's not for real. Um, that's a, I'm just echoing a word of caution here. Just that's the that's a lesson I've I've taken from this FTX story. Don't believe people who speak with such confidence and we've got the new world order and this is the way it's going to be for sure. Yeah, that's that's a good way to end it there, Michael. So okay. anyway, guys, well, thank you again for uh, tuning in. And um, anyway, um, we'd be very happy to answer your questions. So put them into the, uh, the, the chat and comment below. Uh, and yeah, so I'm Tim Muir from Arbidine. We've had Michael Berman from FXT. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not FTX. That was uh, like... Hindsight's 2020, Michael, but uh, yeah. they, they say all publicity is good publicity. Uh, exactly. <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll see you all next week. So thanks. Thanks, Tim. Cheers, everyone.